0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. I know, you guys had no idea what I was,
1: what I am going to preach on today. And love came down, amazing grace. And that's exactly the message that the Lord laid on my heart last Monday to bring to you today. I want to preach on the love and grace of God. I love it. When God puts things together like that, sometimes I just, kind of taken back in amazement, How individuals who have no idea what we're going to sing or what we're going to preach and it just kind of fits all together. Last Sunday night I had an opportunity to preach for Brother Rich at Loomis and I was preaching on a passage from Ephesians and uh, every Sunday night they have a scripture reading and so the assistant pastor got up, Brother Donald got up and he said open your Bible and exact passage the exact verses I was going to preach on that night was their scripture reading I've just been overwhelmed with the love and grace of God this week I've been meditating upon all of these things that I will share with you today, and I hope it stirs your heart as it's stirred mine. Heavenly Father, you bless the preaching of your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul is writing this inspired letter to his dearly beloved son Timothy, calls him his son in faith, a young man that he had invested his life into and loved dearly. And so as he's writing this letter of encouragement to Timothy, he breaks into just a brief synopsis of his personal testimony. Well I want to pick up in verse 12. And I'll read down through verse 15. I want to pull out two words. I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who hath enabled me, and that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I did it, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace, the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. The two words I want to focus on this morning are love and grace. The incredible, unbelievable, unmerited love and grace of God extended to us as sinners. So let's just stop for a few minutes and talk about the love of God. Then love came down. When we think of the love of God, immediately a verse comes to my mind. It is the verse that's probably the most well-known verse in the Bible. What is it? John 3:16 Say it with me For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life For God so loved the world when you cannot describe something you attach that little word so to it God's love is so Amazing! We cannot with our finite minds even grasp or begin to comprehend the love that God has for us. The Bible says herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Now that word propitiation is a word that is very uncommon to us. The only time that you ever hear that word used is in a church service and if you're using the good old King James version of the Bible. But the word propitiation, I love the definition that my King James study Bible gives it. And it says this, propitiation, the act of God motivated by his immense love, whereby he accepts the blood of Christ as complete and satisfying sacrifice for all sin, thus establishing a means of reconciliation between God and between man propitiation, the immense love of God that he would extend to us an opportunity to be reconciled to him. As I was uh, just meditating on the love of God, there were so many things that came to my mind, and I'm just going to skim the surface of those uh, today, but primarily six things came to my mind when I thought about the love of God and and just had that rolling over in my mind throughout this whole week. First of all, God's love is inexhaustible. We cannot exhaust in any way the love of God. Listen to the prophet Jeremiah. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with what kind of love? An everlasting love. An inexhaustible love. Think about this. God has loved me and God has loved you with an everlasting love. With a love that never will run out. God's love includes all the aspects of love that are mentioned in First Corinthians chapter 13. Which we call the love chapter of the Bible. And if you were to read through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's this agape love, this love of God that we are to have for one another. And here's just some of the things about the love of God, the agape love of God. It is patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, is not rude, is not self seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, it is forgiving. It does not delight in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. It never fails. That is the love of God. And that is the kind of love that we are to have for one another. We never, ever have to worry about God's love running out. You know why? Why? Because it flows from a well that never shall run dry. I'm going to mention several songs this morning that describe the love of God and the grace of God. But how about this one? Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking, Draw from my well that never shall run dry. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup. Fill it up. And make me whole. Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 8 with me. So many verses and passages of Scripture that Describe for us the inexhaustible love of God. But this is one that I think is primary. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through verse 39. If there, give are an amen. amen. Romans 8, 35 through 39. That's all get there. Get those leaves rustling. Still hearing leaves. I know a lot of you are doing it on your cell phones now. I still like the good old Bible. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? As it is written, for thy sake they are killed all the day long. That's intense persecution. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter nay in all things we are more than conquerors through him that what loved us for I am persuaded, and I want you to get persuaded about this today. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus Our Lord, why is that? It's because God's love towards us is inexhaustible. I have come to a place in my life where I am 100% convinced that nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. I hope you're there. I hope you are confidently persuaded of that. Persecution cannot separate me from the love of God death cannot life cannot angels cannot demons cannot the fear of today and all the worries of tomorrow cannot all the powers of hell itself cannot separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus my Lord Whether I am high in the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in God's creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. It is inexhaustible. And all God's people said, And don't ever forget it. The second thing I want you to notice about the love of God is not only is it inexhaustible, but it's beyond measure. You cannot measure it. It is impossible to measure the love of God. And this goes right along with this passage that we have just read. Within a very short time, the Romans would be living out in experience what Paul had just written to them, persecution was on the horizon. Nero was about to come to the throne. They would know that tribulation, distress, persecution, peril, and the sword. They would experience that. When we say the sword, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? We're talking about executions. Stop and wrap your mind around that. They are going to be living this verse in reality. Tribulation, distress, persecution, peril, the sword. Within a few short years after Nero would come to power, the apostle Paul himself would give his life for the cause of Christ. But tribulation would not separate them from the love of God. All the distress that they would experience would not separate them. Persecution would not separate them. All the perils that they would experience would not separate them. And death itself, the sword itself, would not separate them from the love of God, which was in Christ Jesus their Lord. That's why Paul could say, for me to live, say it with me, for me to live is Christ." To die is gain. Why? Because nothing can separate us from the love of God. This passage, along with many others, reaffirms the profound love that God has for his people. My dear church family, please listen. No matter what happens to us, no matter what, no matter where life finds us, No matter what trials we have to experience in this life, no matter what adversity may come our way, no matter what suffering we may experience, be assured, none of it will ever separate us from God's love. So suffering, trials, adversity, persecution, it should not drive us away from God is to drive us ever so more the close to the God whose love is always there for us. So God's love is inexhaustible. God's love is beyond measure. The third thing I want you to notice is my granddaughter up here. (laughs) Isn't she just precious? (laughs) Bye, honey. Third thing I want you to notice is that God's love is indescribable. It's inexhaustible. It is beyond measure. It is indescribable. Take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, there is an attempt by the Lord Jesus himself to describe the love of God. I'm going to pick up with verse 7. Well, Let let, let me go back to verse 1. Let me read the whole context. Are you there? Luke 15 verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him. I'm thankful that God loved publicans and sinners. Verse 2. And the Pharisees, the religious crowd, the crowd that thought they were all okay and everyone else was really bad. And the publicans and the scribes murmured saying, this man receiveth sinners and he eateth with them. Thank God that Jesus loved sinners. So now Jesus, in reaction to that, says this. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders. What an act of love, first of all, to go out seeking this one, to leave the ninety-nine and go out after this lost sheep. And he puts it on his shoulders, rejoicing, bringing it back home. Verse 6. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was what? Lost. Lost. Now verse 7. Here's the spiritual application to that parable. I say unto you that likewise... The joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than the 99 just persons which need no repentance. Can I tell you something? When someone gets saved, heaven erupts in praise and joy to the Lord. Think about God's tender mercy. He searches For us, all we like sheep have gone astray. We were all that little lost lamb. He searches for us. We are lost in our sin. He then, when he finds us, he embraces us, and then he joyfully forgives us and brings us into the fold. The indescribable love of God. Take your Bible, go to Romans chapter 5. We're going to pick up with verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, strength to what? Strength to save ourselves from our sin. When we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who is the ungodly here? Get your hands up. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. might put your life on the line for a really good guy. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth. That word means he demonstrated. But God demonstrated his love towards us in while we were yet sinners. Paul says we were enemies of God. Not just sinners, but enemies. When we were yet sinners, say it with me. Christ died For us, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. What is the wrath that we're saved from? Hellfire! It was this kind of love that prompted and motivated the Lord Jesus Christ to come to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. I want you to know something. That is an indescribable, that is an extraordinary love that God has. If you're here today and you feel like maybe God is far from you, let me reassure you, and please don't despair, He's not. He's not far from you. His love is reaching out to you today. And His love will reach out to you tomorrow. I came across this verse. It's where Paul is on Mars Hill, and he's reasoning with the Stoics and the Epicureans and the philosophers of his day. Listen to what he said. That they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel. If happily, they might feel after him. I thought, "Mm, that's interesting. They're seeking God. They're trying to feel after God. What does that word really mean? And so I looked up the meaning of that word feel. It means they're reaching out. They're searching for. They're trying to handle. They're trying to touch. They're trying to contact God. So here are people that feel like God is somehow far off and they're seeking Him, they're, they're feeling after Him, and then it says this, and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. If you feel like God is far away from you, He's not, He's right here. And if you'll just feel after Him, if you will just reach out to Him, search for Him, try to touch Him and contact Him, When you reach out for God, God will reach out for you. You know why? Because He loves you. He loves you. Really? Really. God. God. His love is inexhaustible. His love is beyond measure. His love is indescribable. His love is also incomprehensible. Take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Quite a passage that I'm taking you to now. These are one of those passages that will never probe the depths of it. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 through verse 19. When you're there, say amen. Good. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. That Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in what, church? Love. Subject of our message right now. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, to grasp, to understand with all saints, with all of us here, what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. And to know the love of what? And then it says this, which passeth knowledge. That we are to all comprehend the de- the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, that we would grasp the love that Christ has for us. But then he says, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. What is that? It's love. God is love. To be filled with the fullness of God is to be filled with his love in our lives. So can we just, can you just do with me what I was doing in my office, just kind of pausing for a moment and thinking over these few verses? That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. You know what? I can comprehend that Christ dwells in my heart by faith. How many of you can comprehend that? I got that. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. So I, I can grasp, I can understand, I can understand that I am saved by faith in what Christ did for me on Calvary's cross and dying for my sin and rising from the dead. I got that. I got it that once I am saved by faith, I am to live out that faith in my life. And that Christ dwells, he feels at home in the heart and the life of a person who's living by faith. Because without faith it's impossible to please him. I I can get that. The Bible then says that we would be rooted and grounded in love. How many of you can comprehend that? Okay, I, I got that. It's the greatest of all the virtues. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Love as I have loved you. I understand that our lives are to be rooted and grounded in love. And then it says this, and to know the love of Christ. I don't got that one. Do you? I can't comprehend that one. I got the faith down, I got the rooted in love down, but to know the the love of Christ? I can't comprehend that. You know, but as I thought about that and how I can't comprehend that, I thought, you know what, the angels can't either. Remember that passage of Scripture in 1 Peter? Where it said, even the angels cannot comprehend the love that God has for us? So I guess I'm in okay okay company there. No, I don't know the love of Christ because it says here that it passeth knowledge. The love that he has for me, the love that he has for you, it passeth knowledge. It surpasses, it excels, it exceeds our limit to understand. The love of Christ and all of its sweetness The love of Christ in all of its fullness. The love of Christ in all of its greatness. The love of Christ in all of its faithfulness surpasses anybody's ability to understand except God himself. How many have ever heard of Charles Haddon Spurgeon? Called him the prince of preachers. Many have said the greatest Baptist preacher that ever lived. So let me quote to you from the greatest Baptist preacher... That ever lived. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Where will language be found which describes his matchless, unparalleled love towards his children? It is so vast and boundless that as the bird skims the water and does not dive into its depths, in the same way all descriptive words merely touch the surface, while the depths of God's love rest unmeasurably beneath As an unknown poet once said, O love, thou fathomless abyss. This love of Christ is indeed measureless and unfathomable. No one can claim to fully comprehend it. But before we can have any right idea of the love of Jesus, we must understand his previous glory in its height and majesty and his incarnation on earth in all of its depths of shame. When he was enthroned in the highest heavens, he was God. By him were the heavens made and all the host of heaven. His own almighty arm upheld the spheres. The praise of the cherubims and the seraphims perpetually surrounded him. The full chorus of heaven and the hallelujahs of the universe unceasingly flowed to the foot of his throne. He reigns supreme above all His creatures. God over all, blessed forever. Who can tell the height of His glory? And who can tell how low He descended when He came to this earth? To be man was something, but to be a man of sorrows was far more. To bleed and suffer, and die. These were much for him who was the Son of God himself. But to suffer such unparalleled agony, to endure a death of shame and desertion by his Father, this is the depth of condescending love which the most inspired mind must utterly fail to fathom. Herein is love. And truly, it is a love that surpasseth knowledge. I wish I could preach like that. P.B. Bliss. A songwriter and song leader for D.L. Moody. In 1875... Wrote this song. Hallelujah. What a savior. Man of sorrows. What a name. For the son of God who came. Ruined sinners. To reclaim. Hallelujah. What a savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place. Condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon. With his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was He. Full atonement. Can it be? Hallelujah. What a Savior. Lifted up was He to die. It is finished, was His cry. Now in heaven, exalted high. Hallelujah. What a Savior. When He comes, our glorious King, all His ransom hosts to bring, then anew His song we will sing. Hallelujah. What a Savior. I want to say with PB Bliss, Hallelujah. What a Savior we have. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of man and being being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Ephesians 3, that passage that we just read, ends with these words that we might be filled with all the fullness of God that Christ's life that Christ's character that Christ's virtue of love may fully be developed and fully seen in my life And in yours, for me to live as Christ. Love as I have loved you. In 1917, you notice we don't have songs like this anymore? In 1917, Frederick Lehman wrote this song, The Love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star, it reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care, God gave his son to win. The erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin when hoary times shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who hear refuse to pray and rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure will still endure all measureless and strong, redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels song. And then my favorite stanza, could we with ink? Think about it. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry? <laughs> Nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. O oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure. It's the saints and angels' song. God's love is inexhaustible. God's love is beyond measure. God's love is indescribable. God's love is Incomprehensible to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Fifth thing I want you to know about the love of God is that it's a forgiving love. In whom we have redemption through his blood, that's love. Even the forgiveness of our sin a forgiving love if we confess our he is he is to forgive us our and to cleanse us from what he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins we will never be fully able to understand a god that would send his only begotten son into this world to make it possible that sinners who come to him for mercy could be forgiven. The book of Hebrews is an amazing book. It's a deep book. It's not a book that I would encourage a new believer to undertake. But in Hebrews it says this, but we see Jesus... Who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Sorry, Mr. Calvinist, I want you to know that Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for every person on the face of this earth. There is not one person outside of the love and grace of God. God's love is inexhaustible. It is beyond measure. It is indescribable. It is incomprehensible. It is a forgiving love. And the last thing I want you to see about the love of God, it's a sacrificial love. I would really encourage you, most of you are not going to take up this challenge. I I understand that. I wish you would. I wish everything I said from this pulpit you'd pick up and run with it. But I guess that's why I am still employed. (laughs) But I would encourage you to read the crucifixion story in all four of the Synoptic Gospels. I did that this week. And I was more moved than I've ever been moved before concerning the love that God has for me. The entire gospel message, I believe, is summed up in that passage in Romans. For when we were yet without strength, boys, I don't want to see you talking anymore understand that boys for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly God's love reaches out to condemn sinners like you and me and it draws us to Himself it's amazing You know, God really does set the pattern for what true love is. Because if you truly love someone and you're in a loving relationship with someone, you'll be willing to sacrifice whatever is required for that person's good. That's why when couples stand before me, we stick with the traditional wedding vows. In sickness and in Rich or for? Better or for? You know why? Because that's love. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth. He demonstrated his love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us the sacrificial Love of God. I want to tell you something. God paid dearly to redeem you and me from our sin. No higher price could have been paid. He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus took it up. You know what the Lord Jesus said? Lo, I am calm in the volume of the book, in the word of God. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. What was the will, a body you have prepared for me? Sacrifices and burnt offerings thou hast no pleasure. But he sacrificed himself. God gave up his son. Jesus gave up his life. sacrificial love of God God's love is inexhaustible it's beyond measure it's indescribable it's incomprehensible it's forgiving it's sacrificial someone said this I like this statement that love and grace are God's one-two punch against sin punch number one the love of God the knockout punch the grace of God Sin cannot stand in the ring with the love and grace of God. Remember what Hebrews said, by the grace of God, Jesus tasted death for every man. That's grace. Someone has said, could you define grace for me? This is it. Grace is God doing for you and me what we could not do for ourselves. We could not save ourselves. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He also said, God's grace is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. The apostle said this. And I ask you, do you believe this? We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Punch number one, the love of God. Punch number two, knockout. the grace of God. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Listen to me here. Eternal life is free of charge. Isn't that amazing? Eternal life, the gift of eternal life, is given to us free of charge. We don't have to do anything to earn it. In fact, you can't. It's not of works, of righteousness, which we have done. You can't buy it. If you had all the money in the world, you cannot buy eternal life. It's not for sale. You can't earn it. It's not for sale. And how do you get it? You accept it by faith. That's why it's called grace. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed, the word redeemed means to be bought, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold from your vain conversation received by the traditions of your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish. Listen to me. Just, just accept it. You'll never be able to earn it. You'll never be able to, to buy it. Just accept it because it's grace. I stand before you today as your preacher. I don't deserve to be justified. But when God sees me, you know how he sees me? Just. Figure that one out. I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't don't deserve to be redeemed. I don't deserve to be reconciled to God. And I surely don't deserve to be adopted into the family of God. I don't deserve any of that. But you know what? I have it all. Because when I was five years old, I embraced the grace of God. And I believed it. I believed that God would save me if I asked Him to. Where do we get grace from? The Bible says grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. We get it from Jesus. Jesus. How do you receive it? The Bible said in the book of Psalm, The Lord will give grace. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. You know how you get his grace? Just trust him. Just trust him. Grace begins with God, and it is freely given to those who will accept it. Romans 5:17 says, "For by one man's offense, we all need to understand this. Sin is an offense against a holy God. Sin is a big deal. I remember saying to one young man here just recently, Don't you, don't you even care? Don't you even care that you're sinning? you see that what you're doing is sin, don't you even care? Don't we even realize that our sin is an offense to God? For by one man's offense, that is Adam, death reigned. Much more they which receive Abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. What Adam brought into this world, Jesus Christ reversed it all by His grace. Unbelievable. So how do you get it? All right, you ready for this? We're done. You are... And I am a no good sinner. Now, doesn't that make you feel good? I am, you are, I am a no good sinner. I am a filthy, rotten sinner. And so are you. We are no good, we're filthy, and we're rotten. We are separated from God. We are condemned and we are under the judgment of a holy, righteous God. How do you get grace? Admit it. Because God said he'll give grace only to the humble. It takes humility to confess that you are a no good, filthy, rotten, on your way to hell, condemned sinner and under the judgment of God. People always want to think pretty well of themselves, don't they? But that's where we are. And once you realize that, you're only one step away from receiving the grace of God. Just one step. You know what the next step is? God be merciful to me, a sinner. First of all, is realizing that you are a sinner, that you are condemned, that you are on your way to hell, humbling yourself before a holy God and saying, I receive your grace. God, be merciful to me, a what? Sinner. And the Bible said that publican went away justified. Being justified by grace. Grace. To the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Sin and despair like a seaway's cold threaten the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide, whiter than snow you can be today. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely, freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater, say it with me, than all our sin. And all God's people said, Lord Jesus, thank you for being a loving and gracious God. Let's
0: pray.